so today we're going to be reading from the book of James again surprise surprise and um, we're starting in chapter 3 at uh, verse 13 and then we're reading most of chapter 4 so I'll give you time to turn there in your Bibles while I tell you what happened this week while I was in my lectures so we sat there, we're studying apologetics, which is kind of like just a defense of the faith, essentially. And we were talking about postmodern relativism. Now, if you want to know what that is, go and ask Johnny, because after two hours, <laughs> I'm really not that sure. Um, and as we're going through the lecture, the lecturer is giving us all these definitions of different words. So I'm diligently scrubbing them down. And uh, as, as he's talking, I'm just writing down everything he's saying, because I haven't got a clue of the words that are coming out of his mouth. And about 10 minutes into the lecture, he's like, anyone got anything to contribute? I'm sat there completely blank-faced, not got a clue. And this guy bravely puts his hands up and says, yeah. And he start, as he starts talking, I couldn't even tell you what he said. I haven't got a clue, but he was using really long words. And I was writing all those down. And I'm thinking, can I quote this guy in my essay? Like, he's amazing. And he's one of those people who's always really quiet. Like, he never says anything, but he's like this dark horse who knows everything. Like, he must have done the pre-reading and then some, because my word, was he intelligent? And he starts summing up his argument. And what I think, effectively, he was saying is that postmodern relativism is a, bit, is a bit kind of up in the air. What I think he was trying to say is that it's a bit airy-fairy. But what he actually said is, it's a bit like a hairy fairy. And so at that point, I just laughed out loud because I was like, how can you sound so intelligent? How can you know all of these words? And yet you think the expression is it's like a hairy fairy. So um, yeah, that's just a short story to get started. Naomi's going to come and read the word to us. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Your desire, you desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he's caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double-minded. 
Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Brilliant. Thank you very much. So in verse 13, James starts with this amazing phrase, who is wise and understanding among you? Let it be shown by good deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. James shows that it's not about what you know. It's never about what you know. It's what you do with what you know. Last week, Owen spoke about um, the tongue and the way that we use our words and the fact we should build up and encourage one another. And Laura spoke the week before about favoritism and the fact that we shouldn't show favoritism. It's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. And it's about doing things with humility. Boasting is earthly wisdom. It says in the last chunk at the end of chapter three, boasting is earthly wisdom and so is selfish ambition. All of those things come from the world. They don't come from God. They have no place in the church. But so often we think that we know things and that's why we end up failing. It's why we end up tripping up because of our stubbornness to think that we've got it all sorted. We forget that we can ask for help. We forget that we need to rely on God and his word and on each other. But instead we think we know what we're doing. We think we've got wisdom and we forget it's what you do with what you know not just the things that you know. If we want to do life well, we need to go back to the source. If we want to know how things work, we need to go to the creator, the one who made it in the first place. That's heavenly wisdom. When we do things with sincerity, humility, peace, and from that comes good fruit. In 1 Corinthians 1, verses 20 to 25, it says this. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. The scripture tells us that the world's wisdom is absolutely useless. Actually, if we, if we don't use it in a way that is honoring to God, if we don't use it in humility, then there's no point in having it. It serves us no good. And in James 4, it says, you desire, but you do not have. You ask, but you do not get. You seek, but you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives. What James is saying here is, is the simple wisdom of the gospel Jesus said we should love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our mind and with all our strength. And that's all that James is relaying here. 
But in this day and age, the world works around us. We have social media, we can be connected all the time whenever we want. We've got 24-hour shopping, we've got 24-hour gyms, there's 24-hour everything. You can watch whatever TV program whenever you want. Our worlds entirely revolve around us, and that's a massive pressure. No wonder people are crippled with anxiety because they're constantly having to make choices about what they want to do, and there's all this, oh, you can do this, or this, or this, or this, or this. There's so many options available to us. How are we meant to know what we want to choose? But actually, we're called to let God be our center, to let him be the one that our life revolves around. And when we do that, all of the pressure is relieved because you can trust in him to help you make decisions. You can trust in him to be your guide. You don't need to think that everything's all about you because actually it's about God. C.S. Lewis writes this about encountering a man who has humility. He says he is not thinking about himself. Uh, Sorry, he is not thinking about humility. He is not thinking about himself at all. It's often misquoted as humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. And it's so true. That's what humility is. There is freedom and release when we stop thinking about ourselves and when we center our lives around God. And we can always go back to him. No matter what we've done wrong, no matter where we are, no matter how many times we've turned back, we can keep going back to him. 2 Corinthians says his grace is sufficient for us. And here in James, in 4 verse 6, it says, but he gives us more grace. No matter how many times you do things wrong, no matter how much you think you've messed up, he gives you more grace. He longs for you to be close to him. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is saying all about the fact that he is the bread of life. And lots of his followers find it a really hard teaching, and so they walk away. And so he says to his disciples, are you going to leave me too? And Simon Peter steps up and he says... To whom should we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Peter recognized that that Jesus was the source that he could go to. Jesus was the creator. Jesus had all the answers and he knew that if he wanted to live well, he had to stick with him. There are so many beautiful promises in the scriptures. Last year, we did something called Yobble, if you're around. It was a year of biblical literacy and we spent a year as a church journeying through the scriptures, spending time uh, teaching on them and also reading them together. Um, And if I'm honest, I had a bit of a wobble with my yobble and it's become a bit of a twobble. Um, So it's my two years of biblical literacy rather than just a year because it was a little bit too much to read. Um, But as I've spent time in the scriptures, really digging into them, taking that time every day to spend time with the word, I found that my relationship has gone deeper with God And I've come so much more alive because I know the things that he says in his word. I know the promises that he gives to us and they're beautiful. My favorite thing that I read this week was in Psalm 112. In verse four, it says, even in the darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and righteous and compassionate. There's so many other beautiful things written in the scriptures. Do you know them? 
Have you taken the time to, to dwell in God's words and to know what he says? Do you know what he says about himself? Because we can read it and learn about his character. And do you know what he says about you? I'm starting to learn what God is like. And I've realized that the whole Bible is just stories of God inviting people to partner with him and to join him with what he's doing. And that partnership's still available to us today. But we need to seek God for that. We need to place him as the center of our worlds. We need to, in humility, submit ourselves. Like we said earlier during the worship, sometimes we need to lay things down at the altar and come to God and trust in his promises that he will carry us. Sometimes I think we can be tempted to be Sunday Christians who, you know, on days like this, we get to come together, hear his word, worship him, and we find that, that joy and release in knowing that he is good and it makes us feel better. But then Monday to Saturday is a real struggle because life feels like a slog. But if we know that something works, if you keep coming back on a Sunday, it must be working, why don't you let him carry you throughout the entire week? Why don't we submit each day to him? Why don't we wake up and say, God, this day is yours and everything in it. That's from scripture as well. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do you, do you know that? When it comes to things like that, I'm not judging you because I'm not perfect. Like it says in, um, in James from verse 11, brothers and sisters do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Who am I to judge you? I know nothing of your life. And who are you to judge me? If you're perfect, carry on, go for it. But there's only one perfect person I know, and that's Jesus. And if you want to be more perfect, then why don't you go and spend time with him? Often, when you're looking at Jesus, you're not actually that bothered about what other people are thinking about you and what they're saying about you. When we submit to him, our whole lives change. I don't really have anything else to say, so let's pray. Lord, let us not think that we know everything. Help us to recognize our deep need for you. Let our worlds not be so focused around us, but would they be focused around you, Lord? Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the promises that we have in your word. May they bring us alive, Lord. Will we stop looking at other people, but will we keep our eyes to focus on you? Amen.